Hi, and welcome to Bones Cast, a podcast where we usually watch and discuss the TV show Bones. I'm Ella. And I'm Niara. And we have been away for a little while. Uh, we feel like we would be remiss in returning to this podcast if we didn't address um, the national conversation we're having about policing and how Bones sort of fits into that conversation. Um, Bones is only partially about law enforcement, and it isn't necessarily about police explicitly, but I think it does deserve to be talked about and examined a little bit. Um, and this week, we are also joined by a special guest. Today, we're joined by my very good friend, Ashley, from college. Yay. Um, Ashley joins us because she is the resident expert in my life in prison abolition and restorative justice and is also a big bones fan so we're very lucky to have her welcome ashley yes welcome thank you for coming um do you want to talk uh, a little bit about how you started watching bones or if you have any bones thoughts you want to share yeah my first bones experience was with niara i think you told me to watch it you were like, it has 13 seasons or something ridiculous like that. Like, you will not run out of episodes to watch. Um, and I was like, cool, cool, cool. That's right. exactly what I need right now. <laughs> and then, like I usually do, I said I was going to watch it. And then I didn't until Noni was visiting. And we were at your apartment, I think. And you played the first episode. And I was, like, hooked ever since. Oh, my and, God. I totally forgot that. Yeah, I know. I think that was, like, the first episode I ever saw. Um, yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Bones? It's so good. I really, like, I know it's terrible, but I really do love those cop shows. And so, um, yeah, it's been fun reckoning with that right now. Um, and that I've, like, definitely consumed this media for such a long time. Um, but yeah, Bones you, does make me feel a little bit better. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Did you feel like when you, like, after we started sort of talking about this, um, did you feel, like, weird going back to Bones? Because I did. I was like, I don't know if I like want to go back to this or if yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. I haven't watched definitely... in a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. I watched it like recently. I think I texted you about it. But it was, yeah, definitely more critical ones than I was watching it with originally. Because I think like usually when I see these TV shows, I'm like, oh, it's just like good TV to watch to forget about things. And then you're like, no, you really can't. Like, that's not how media should be consumed. Um yeah, it was weird going back to it. I think it's, like, different than... I knew, like, other, like, cop shows, like, Law & Order, CSI, SV, whatever. All of those things are, like, very obviously copaganda to me. But this was, like, so different. Because, I don't know, like, Bones is the the expert. She's a forensic anthropologist. Like, she is not who I associate with, like, a cop. But, again, she's working for law enforcement. And so, like, yeah, it's definitely something to, to take into, uh, like, or adjust your, like, viewing of it. Yeah, and I yeah. think it helps that Bones herself, like, kind of doesn't really, like, I don't think she really believes in the law enforcement the way it is, but, like, she definitely is participating, and Booth is participating. He's obviously half of the show, and I I kind of wanted to bring up that I feel like in Bones, it's explored that, like, Booth has, like, a serious, like, cop complex. Like, he really, like, enjoys being a law enforcer in a way that I actually feel like it doesn't come across as pernicious in the show because we like obviously like Booth but um it it kind of is like in the real world I think it would be like super horrible the way that he treats kind of like suspects and like you know hit like he really likes his gun he like shoots mm -hmm. 
things more than I would care for. Um, and so I feel like that that's definitely one of the things that I like started examining a little bit closer. I was like, oh, he's maybe not like the kind of person who should be in law enforcement or like this is the kind of personality that law enforcement supports um, in a bad way. Yeah, I think it's funny, Ashley, that you mentioned like escapism because I my mom and I go back and forth about this all the time. She likes to watch like super fluffy shows that don't stress her out and I prefer dramas because I worry about their life and like what's going on in the show instead of what I'm stressed about. But there's a point at which you can't divest from your reality and what's going on in these shows. And I mean like I'm fortunate enough that I've never been in the experience where I've stumbled upon an unrecognizable corpse or like had to solve a murder, but um, thank God. But I, yeah, I know. By the skin of your teeth, <laughs> not, not <laughs> Yeah, phew. Uh, not qualified, um, but yeah, it's kind of I I can't look at it the same way anymore because the things I'm stressed about are the things that are on screen. Like who is. In, char- in charge of solving these heinous crimes and why did these crimes happen and why are we okay with like watching this fantastical version of what happens in real like it's it's terrible it's like trauma porn they're always they're yeah. coming up with these creative ways to murder people which is just so creepy and probably yeah. should be investigated <laughs> well there's something like extra weird about bones in that respect because bones really becomes especially later on it becomes this like oh what like subculture can we investigate a murder in today and so then it becomes like a weird like spin the wheel of like quirky subcultures in which people got (laughs) murdered and there's like a really goofy aspect of it that becomes like dissonant from the murder (laughs) yeah it's bones is like too goofy uh for the subject matter when you really think about it um it's funny i had a snapchat memory the other day of the first time i watched bones all the way through and it was i must have been pretty early on i was like i said something along the lines of like the sexual chemistry between bones and booth is like totally worth how disgusting all the bodies are and like, I just really wasn't watching it at all for the plot. I was like, when are Bones and Booth going to make out? And, you know, so now when I go back, I'm focused more and more on, like, the actual murders and investigations. And it's so creepy. <laughs> I was like, this is such a cute, like, workplace romance. Aw. Dead yeah. bodies are also there. <laughs> I also feel like it, like, makes it so that crime is about like the people who solve it and not the people it happens to yeah which is a strange very much so very much um which makes sense because the that that's how you would ever have a through line because if you you would either have someone always having crimes committed against them or you know a different person every week and that's like kind of hard to follow but yeah um we forgot to introduce um ask Ashley about her background with like prison abolition and like police abolition. Do you want to talk a little bit about like how you got into that and what you've, what your education in that is? 
yet not a formal education uh, from Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) I think. That's the most formal level of education anyone has right now is through Twitter. It so. really is. Like, <laughs> I, I credit tw- Twitter with everything I know. I'm like, wow, um, you still watch cable news? That's embarrassing. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I watch like clips of it on TV, like on Twitter. Yeah. That's it. Um, no, I think it was probably, what year is it, 2020? Probably four-ish, three-ish years ago that like I got into, it was Niara knows this, Miriam Kaba. I followed her on Twitter and like my life just changed. Uh, she's like a notorious prison abolitionist has created like so many free resources for everyone to use. Um, she founded Survived and Punished, which is an organization now in New York, Chicago, and California, and I think one other location that I'm forgetting, um, that works with uh, survivors who are currently incarcerated, so survivors of domestic violence and sexual violence. Um, she also helps out with Chicago Freedom Schools. She's just done, she has like a whole resource hub called Transform Harm, which has like everything on transformative justice, restorative justice, healing justice, which I always forget is a different subset, which is like an ignorance on my part, um, and prison abolition and basically what that is. Um, and so I kind of like got introduced to it through her and also through my best friend, Amon. Um, I think we spent a lot of time talking about like what makes people good versus bad and like if you could ever be a good person or a bad person and like what that really means and like kind of just like shutting down that dichotomy so I really credit like my conversations with him with like forming all like the basis for this work um which yeah like at the end of the day right prison abolition is like it to me it values human life it values like the complexities that we all have it values um that sometimes we mess up and no one is like their worst moment or the worst thing that they've done um and it also like intervenes way earlier than any policing or prison system does too right like it creates a bunch of systems that support people as they're like as they're living their life so it gives housing it gives health care it gives food um so that's kind of like how I got into it and I think when we're talking about like bones specifically um something that's dangerous to me about bones like temperance Brennan is that she believes that people are either good or bad like that is it like she has a very black and white mentality of what morality is and to me that's super dangerous because like it one individualizes everything that we've been like socialized to hear, to think, to like do about certain issues um, and like oppressions that we've internalized and also like enacted on others. Um, Like I'm thinking specifically of her relationship to her dad, right? Like how her dad like kills people and she's like, no, that's like a really bad thing, which I Mm -hmm. feel like, yeah, probably if you asked me like four years ago, I would have been like, yeah, murder is always really bad. But now I'm like, okay, like what abolition asks us to do is like, think of like, why did that murder happen? Like, who like what led up to this person becoming a murderer right because like when you commit I don't want to say a crime when you commit a harm against someone like it also dehumanizes you I think is like another foundational basis of like transformative justice and abolition it like it recognizes that committing harm also is a way of dehumanizing and so like you have to ask yourself like how or ask of that person like how they got to the point where they could do something that like devalued human life which is like killing another human or harming another human in different ways um and she also she also um I think a huge flaw in the way that that thinking works for Bones the person is like that she clearly cares a lot about Booth and like thinks very highly of him but like if if you're if you're like taking actions or harm or whatever in on their face value like he killed a lot of people and um you separated like committing a harm and committing a crime because like what Booth did wasn't a crime, but like 
they're kind of like the way that we've sort of separated those things and the way that bone separates them is sort of you know messed up it's the same way that people um justify a police killing a civilian and a civilian killing a civilian or whatever um and I think I agree I think that's a huge problem with bones and I also think that she has this like really horrible block about you know she always says psychology is a soft science and that it's like she really looks down on it and those are kind of like the sciences that I feel like I've read people are using to create new systems that help prevent people from harming people instead of um, reprimanding them for having already done it. And so, like, she she kind of, she's very closed-minded about that whole, like, school of thought, I guess. Yeah, I think personally, you know, when I declared sociology as my major three-ish years ago, it seemed really fluffy and absurd and last minute, which it was a last minute decision, but it's been very useful um, right now as we're in this like period of transition socially and culturally. And I think it's really bizarre in retrospect that Bones doesn't investigate this further because there's the whole plot with Gormagon and Zack and they've been villainizing Gormagon and trying to understand why Gormagon would do the things that he does and like how he rationalizes everything. But then they have such empathy and understanding for Zack. And they're like, you know what? Zack is still our friend, even though he was helping a serial killer cannibal. But that grace isn't extended or that understanding isn't really extended to anyone else on the show, even though, you know, there are often people who have committed acts of violence by accident and then covered it up. Um, which is a serious trope on television. And I just, I don't think I would have the wherewithal if I accidentally killed someone to like cover up the murder. Like, I think I would just cry. Um, But, (laughs) you know, like people are like, okay, here's what we got to do. We got to dissolve the body and like, no. Right. (laughs) That's just not, I, I don't think that's realistic. And, you know, maybe there's a bunch of cold cases that exist only because someone was super calm under pressure and like covered up an accidental murder but yeah also the second a cop tried to talk to me about that I'd be like yeah I did it like they, like yeah, so perfectly yeah. and I'm like how like I would still be so frazzled and like in shock I'd be like oh I my god oh, you finally caught me thank god yeah <laughs> I just needed to tell someone this for so long I've been but... losing sleep <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly they would know too yeah I would like I've been waiting at the door <laughs> Yeah. Took you um, long enough. <laughs> exactly. But I think I think it's so interesting that they show the whole process of realizing that someone you've seen in one light is able to commit harm to another person or people and like help someone who is obviously morally corrupt. I mean, I think we can establish that cannibals are morally corrupt. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> So I feel comfortable with that. (laughs) Okay. I can sign off on that one, I think. (laughs) Okay. So like, I just don't understand why something that interesting, and I certainly, the first time I watched Bones, wasn't able to sign off on that. I was like, no, why do they still talk to him? Like, he helped a cannibal. Why are they still friends with him? But it's so much more complicated than that. And I think that's kind of really where the richness of this could have been investigated instead of... I mean, obviously, contracts mean that 
you can't just have an actor come onto the show just to talk about, oh, well, what made you this way? But <laughs> that's super interesting to me. And I think that should be investigated more fully. Yeah, in yeah I think now. I feel like also, like, all over Bones, you see people kind of saying, like, um, which I think this is the way a lot of people think, which is that it's, you're allowed to extend certain things to people you already know and love. Like, I'm thinking of, like, when Booth, um, when Booth's brother gets that DUI and he, Mm -hmm. like, gets him out of it or whatever he does, um, and with Zach and with, I feel like it happens all, even with uh, Bones's dad, like she doesn't like fully forgive him or whatever, but he like, he sticks around, like he's okay. Um, and that not, none of that is extended to the people that they don't all already personally know, which mm-hmm. I feel like is something that like you have, you have to have the capacity to think that way about people who you don't know to like fix what's happening. Ashley, have you seen the episode where Sweets and the Gravedigger are in the bus going to the trial? Yeah. Okay. So, basically, we don't believe in spoilers on this show, but I didn't want to spoil it for you. (laughs) See? Double standards. Um, (laughs) But even, you know, we joke sometimes, like, oh, murder is transformative and, like, it's its own form of justice in some situations, like on Big Little Lies when they kill Perry, who is an abuser. Mm-hmm. Which I don't even know. Because I, of, you know, that's a can of worms because that's of- a massive can of worms because it's like I celebrated that death as like fuck yeah, this bad hard man when is, he, dead. When he is dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But I also, but as a side, his note, character isn't show- investigated. That show is, like, completely, like, it is a disaster because of the way it handles that because the the person, it, it really, really neglects to, like, acknowledge the fact that the person who committed that of the four or five of them or whatever is the only person who's, like, likely to be, you know, punished for it. Yeah. Like, really strongly woman. because yeah. she's a, a black woman and, like, and, like, they also, like, they didn't even need to say that they, what do they say? They all did, or no, they say he fell, which is absolutely ridiculous. Instead yeah, of just saying yeah. that one of the, like, rich white women who would have totally gotten off. Or, yeah. Or, like, know, his wife who had, like, had a history. Like, oh, my gosh. Right. Yeah. His wife yeah. could have claimed Like, his wife who had documented, like, therapist appointments, like, photos yeah. of, like, the abuse that she suffered, like... She could have gotten a really good lawyer for that. Like, yeah. I, like, did like, not understand. Like, she was she a really a good, good lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> like, yeah. That's also, yeah. Well, the thing that's so interesting about that, and I was telling Ella, I went on this kick of, like, book-to-TV adaptations. In the book, Big Little Lies, I guess, we're talking about Big Little Lies now. Um, <laughs> in the book, it's set in a suburb of Sydney, Australia. All the women oh. are white. All the men are white except for the cafe owner, Tom, who hooks up with the Shailene Woodley character. So Zoe Kravitz's character is white also. Yes, yes. And so in the book, the events of Perry's death are a little bit different. In the book, the party takes place, like, at the school, and there's, like, a balcony. It's, like, a a two-level room, and they're up on a balcony, 
and when not going to remember Shailene Woodley's character's name. Um, Me neither. But when they realize that, wait, what is it, Ella? No, I said. No, I don't know what it Uh, is either. It's Shailene Woodley. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the Shailene Woodley character. The Shailene Woodley character. She has that status. When they realize that he is the father of Ziggy, her son, and they have this realization that, like, oh my gosh, like he's probably been assaulting women this whole time when he's on these business trips. And they also realize that he's been abusing Celeste and Bonnie. Um, Zoe Kravitz's character freaks out because she grew up in a home with domestic abuse and she just like loses it. She pushes him over the balcony. So it's much more realistic that like this drunk man would have fallen off a balcony. And there's this whole plot in the at the end of the book where they determine that the wall on the balcony was too low anyways. Like it didn't oh. meet building standards. Oh. Yeah. And so it's so much more realistic. And also <laughs> because like the book ends, there's no, it's not, a, it's not a series. The book ends and everyone's freaking out because they want to keep the secret for Bonnie. So she doesn't get in trouble. And instead, eventually she just decides to tell the truth and she gets like community service. Right. So it's really interesting that... Which is what Reese Witherspoon would have gotten, and that's what Celeste would have gotten. Exactly. And that's what Bonnie in the book, you know, rich white woman in Sydney, Australia would have gotten too. And so I think it's interesting that the American version of this story, A, decided to cast a black woman as the other woman, and also decided to make a whole season, like, revolve around covering up this crime that she committed because they're scared of the police when that has nothing to do with what really happened in the book. Which, but also- it does give Bonnie's character more depth because you get the backstory of, like, her family and domestic abuse in her family. But it also tortures this Black female character who's, like, going through all of this emotional turmoil trying to figure out what to do because she has killed an abuser but was herself abused and also is afraid of the police. So I don't know. Yeah. I I think that it presents like the opportunity for something more interesting to happen, but the second season that show just doesn't grasp it. It doesn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. I, I wonder what's going to happen. Like the is there going to be a third season? God, I hope not. <laughs> I feel they like there's going to be. They really shouldn't have a third season. No, they shouldn't have a third season. <laughs> I'm sure Reese Witherspoon can come up with something else to adapt. <laughs> she can put that I'm, effort in I'm little sure fires the strong everywhere. women of that cast have other, have other um, projects they're working on. Oh my I gosh. Really, yeah, I really hope that this is not their lifeline. This <laughs> is the Big Little Lies series. Speaking I think of Meryl little Streep fires everywhere, okay. though, like, what a great example of, like, someone just, someone's privilege is, like, I mean, arson is a crime. Am I wrong about that? <laughs> Like, I feel like... No, it's not a crime. No, I'm kidding. And, like, Reese Witherspoon just straight up says that she did it at the end. And not, like, is not put Fucking in spoiler. Hand. Damn. Oh, God. That's okay, on me, though. Wait, have you read I the, book? the book? I bought the book, like, two months ago, and I haven't cracked it yet. Well, the book is different than the show. Yeah. The book is different than the show, yeah, so, so don't, you can, don't worry. Nothing spoiled. Enjoy... You can still read the book. Yeah, and also, you're the, this is what you get <laughs> for declaring that you think spoilers are fake. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's on me. Um, I wanted to give you 
uh i've seen because i've seen like i just want like i think it's maybe like as inevitable as death and taxes that when you turn on the tv that law and order some franchise of law and order will be playing um which i think is kind of a problem in and of itself but i've seen so as a as a result i've seen a lot of svu but i haven't seen nearly as much as you have niar and so i wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what you thought that show did to you know promote the kind of justice that law enforcement you know touts to have well, we're in luck because Ashley has seen even more SVU than oh, I have. Oh, great. I've been watching I... it since I was out of the womb. Yeah, I'm, I was obsessed <laughs> with SVU. I was... Yeah, yeah. So I've seen the first eight seasons of SVU, which I watched in the span of like a month and a half. Mm-hmm, very healthy. Bender. Yeah. <laughs> very terrible idea that I decided to pursue. <laughs> um, but I was reading a few articles and we'll link all of, yeah, you know, what we've read and talked about or referenced um so they can be engaged with outside of this podcast but you know I haven't seen the newer seasons so I can't really speak to this and I think Ashley you did a second ago too but like there's the compelling fact of like this show that started in 1999 being about a woman who doesn't know who her father is because he was an abuser, who is now, like, pursuing a career where she is trying to, like, get justice for survivors of abuse is really, really compelling, but apparently is watered down in the later seasons so that she becomes, like, instead of a more complex character, just, like, this superhero champion of the abused... Um, which, I mean, in itself has its place on television, but I think something that's really bizarre about Law & Order SVU, which I learned um, its original title was Sex Crimes, mm-hmm. um, is just that, <laughs> and Emily Nussbaum talks about this in her article, Trauma Queen, a little bit, that it's kind of like um, a guidebook For people who experience harm, either because it models how to interact with police who are investigating crimes or instances of harm against you, but also just as like a model of what should be. And there's a lot of commentary out there by survivors who kind of describe it as like a fantasy or like this utopian world where all abusers are caught and are forced to reconcile with their actions and you know I mean like when you watch SVU there's always like the scene in the interrogation room where they're like you need to face what you did you're a terrible person and you need to think about all the harm that you've caused and who you're hurting and it can be like very cathartic for some people or really re-traumatizing for people but it's just very strange that there's this escapist television show that's been on for 20 years that everyone knows about that is about all of the I don't want to create a hierarchy of harm but 
it's about these deviant and horrible actions that are committed against people every day that are kind of taboo to talk about. And so it becomes this like escapist show where it's okay to discuss these things and to know about them, which sure, you should know what dangers are out there, but it's kind of um, voyeuristic in a way, which is creepy. Yeah, and it also like puts forth the idea that like law enforcement consistently takes uh, sexual assault seriously and diligently and that, you know, everybody has as much empathy and like personal investment that Olivia Benson does, which... Yeah, like I, it's and just patently I, untrue. And I was thinking of how we we read that article a while back about um like which like it was this article that put people into red and blue groups and purple based oh, right. on their like sociological, I like all these questions about like ideology, and they had SVU as like this show that mostly blues liked, and I was like that's kind of interesting and like, mostly young women. Right, right. And I think that the reason for that is, like, it does, like, presuppose that sexual assault is, like, a problem and that we should be taking it seriously, which is, like, something Reds, I guess, don't really think. But, like, at the same time, it also, like, fails to address the ways that the institution it's actually depicting doesn't actually treat it that way, which I guess is what you're saying by saying it's a fantasy, but. Yeah, there's, like, a tweet that's, like, the reason that young women love SVU so much is because it's like a dream world where like you're listened to and believed and then like justice is taken right after right um but I think it's interesting um that a show about sexual violence right that's like okay we're gonna catch all the bad guys who do sexual violence um fails and they got to it a little bit I don't know how much you've seen of SVU but like Olivia there's like I forget which season it's in Olivia is undercover in prison um and like they're trying to catch, like, a prison guard who, like, I think sexually assaults the, uh, the people who are incarcerated. And it's, like, okay, they did, like, a little bit about it. But, like, that's, like, the lived reality. Like, prisons are a form of sexual violence. Like, one, strip searches, right? I'm going to, like, even what cops do when they're, like, frisk, stop and frisk. Like, that's a sexual violence, right? Like, if a stranger did that to me on the street, like, I'd be, like, you assaulted me. Um, so when cops do it, we're, like, oh no, this is maintaining safety, but like, it's not, right? Your body is being violated very literally. Strip searches when you're entering a prison, like they literally, I mean, like we all know the jokes of like spreading your butt cheeks and like coughing and making sure, like those things are like traumatizing to go through. Um, That's like not really talked about at all in SVU of like how those systems like perpetuate sexual violence as well. Um, And how like, where was I going with that? Yeah, like, so there's, like, that little storyline with Olivia Benson, but nothing's ever really talked about that. It's just, like, again, like, one bad apple. It's, like, the same thing that they do with cops in the show, too, where they're, like, oh, there are a few bad cops who, like, do this, who rape um, prostitutes that they catch, who rape, like, you know, like, all of those, like, languages. Hopefully, they've gotten better in the later seasons of being, like, sex workers have rights. They should not be assaulted. But, like, in the earlier seasons, that was very true, too. Um so, like, they kind of get it, but again, it's, like, an exception to the rule rather than, like, what we know actually happens all the time. Like, what we're seeing is, like, a systemic issue is kind of, like, deeply embedded in the culture of policing, right? Is that you have this, like, superior or, like, yeah, like, this ridiculous amount of power and you can wield mm-hmm. that over people using mm-hmm. your body. Like, I mean, just even, like, the physical ways that we arrest people, the physical ways that we, like, cage them, what they do to people, 
in interrogation rooms, right? Like, I don't know, Stapler used to beat the shit out of people. And, yeah. like, I'm going to be honest. All the time. As a survivor, this... did I love watching rapists get the shit beat out of them by oh, Stapler? Oh, yeah. That's why 110%. I Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'd be like yes, yes, I this love is this. what I want. And it's, I think it's, no, also... it's like it's like a thrill. It's like a thrill yeah. when you see them finally catch the harm doer and, like, beat them up. Or and all, throw them in a cell. But realistically, that's not what's going to happen. And it's upsetting. Yeah. And also, like, I think it's, I don't know. I felt like after I was assaulted, like, I couldn't express anger. Like, it was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't have a right to be angry about it. And then there were these people on TV who, like, got angry. Like, Stapler got angry about it and was like, this is an injustice. And I was like, cool. Like, you can feel my feeling. Like, again, it's another weird form of escapism where it's like, okay, someone who's, like, removed from me is mad about this thing, so then, like, I can be mad about it, or, like, it's, like, a way of, like, I don't know, getting kind of some of that catharsis that, like, we're severely lacking in how we support survivors. Um, but, yeah, also that the idea of justice, then, is tied to putting them in a cage, which is not what I felt with the person who assaulted me. I wasn't like, oh, I want to throw you in prison. Like, that wasn't, that never meant, that never meant justice to me. So it's interesting that I chose that show as, like, a way of, like, being, like, okay, cool, like, the bad guys are getting it and it's like but that's not what you wanted past Ashley (laughs) like it was like this weird dissonance and like yeah that's something that's so true about SVU in general and obviously I haven't seen all 200 plus episodes but at least in the earlier seasons the people who caused harm are very removed from the survivors like there's an episode that I'll never forget where this like wealthy couple hires like an au pair or a babysitter or something and then like keep her as a sexual prisoner they are so far removed from each other that it's obvious like it's obvious that she would want to take legal action against them but so often there's like that social gray area for people where there is an emotional intimacy with the person who is causing harm instead of just this random, random stranger yeah. grabbed you on the street yeah. or something which so, is why it's you know, so hard to watch now because they tried to do that and then they like force the survivors to take action through oh. incarceration like they've like arrested sex workers on the charge of prostitution so that they'll testify like they do that a lot in the show like where they like that's tra- really not cool like take up like public intoxica- uh, intoxication charges the latest season had a 16 year old girl who was like they did the oh my god what is that famous an epstein-esque character basically they had him um and it was a 16 year old girl and they literally like would charge her on drug charges like drug possession charges so that she would like testify against him and it's like this whole like savior idea again of like we know what's best for you like this will bring you heal you know like all of that Mm -hmm. like so even when they are connected it's like they still try to force this one idea of justice but yeah I like in the past episodes like in the earlier seasons it's always so it's like not exactly a stranger grabbing you but like it might as well have been or like a random murder in some alley where like you know like there's nothing that we now know about sexual violence in there which is that like what is it some ridiculous amount is like the person you know like you'll know the person who assaulted you you, already know that person yeah and that's the other thing about just like survivorship in general is that if the harm caused takes away someone's individual power. That institutionalized power force should not be making decisions for them. And we shouldn't 
as a society be like watching a television show that's modeling for us how that system should work right and that's all that they do like olivia benson is like this stern and empathetic like powerful lady goddess who knows exactly what you need and you don't have to think about anything because she's gonna catch all the bad people and that's great but it's still it's still not a show that actively gives survivors the agency that they deserve and that's kind of creepy because it's somehow a feel-good show it's like a feel-good revenge show which is such a disturbing realization that i'm coming to right now that's just that like when i was really into svu it made me feel good like like it's a crazy rush (laughs) it's a crazy rush when they catch the bad guy and that's so disturbing and they're really go ahead i feel like there's something about a network procedural in particular that like creates this really harmful combination of like feel good and like planting bad seeds in your brain about the way the world should work sort of combo because Nira and I were talking the other day about um or yesterday about 13 reasons why which I think has a similar sort of thing that people might like especially if you're like a high schooler where it's like I'm going to both like talk about like having the abuser confront their what they've done like that's what 13 reasons why is is like I'm going to create a situation where everyone has to actively um, confront what they've done to me in some way. Um, But that show made me feel weird. (laughs) And I'm not saying it made everyone feel weird, but it made me feel weird in a way that I think that the like veneer of like a, a procedural that feels like innocuous and like comforting in some way is like this, this, uh, like way for you to take a bad pill in a, but it tastes like candy and it's and so I feel like a lot of the like most pernicious examples of um tv propaganda are on network tv for that reason like not just because they're less likely to take a really nuanced view of like the way policing works but also because the way we like in like the way we watch it is so much more passive and like it makes us feel good despite ourselves um in a like really harmful way that is what's so disturbing about crime procedurals is that even a show like Bones, before I sat down and watched it start to finish, there's they're casual watching mm-hmm. because everything you need to know about the show is assumed in social and cultural understanding. All you need to know is that the cops are the good guys, the harm doers are the bad guys. They're going to be caught in the end because... That's how the world works. You can support them wholeheartedly. Even shows where there is more nuance, you know, where they're willing to, like, pull back the curtain and show that there is some corruption. At the end of the day, the show is not about, you know, the harm doers or the people who are robbing and stealing. It's about the people who, after the fact bring them to some sort of justice instead of being a show about well i guess a show like criminal minds is supposed to think about how yeah but it's not like that works it's not the way it should be like even on bones (laughs) even on bones there'll be moments where there'll be episodes where like 
Booth and Bones get really like emo about the person's motive or whatever and they like sort of mm-hmm. sympathize in this way that seems nice but it's just it but and then they're like oh isn't it a shame we have to arrest them <laughs> yeah, yeah there's like no questioning of that it's like okay this is what has to happen yeah um I think also except oh, you said for earlier, Zach who gets that benefit of true. the doubt and gets to go to a mental health facility yeah that's true like most yeah. people who commit violence against other people probably should um because he's their friend and they work the system for him which also works with the assumption that if you're someone who has a close connection to law enforcement or people or other people in power that the system doesn't have to always act in the same way to everyone which is so horrible and we all just watch this so like oh like good for their friend they got him to the safer place but that's not god <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah i well, also think like oh oh sorry do it go okay um like ella what you said earlier about like the the storyline like the through line has to be that the cops are the main characters and Niara, i think you shared the vulture article about that like exactly which is like at the end of each episode the like bad guys of the week like go away and then like the cops are always there like they're still there showing up doing the work they're still there like solving these crimes and also like I haven't seen criminal minds but I've recently been seeing that apparently like criminal psychology is like not a legit science like profiling is not real like apparently like all of that like pseudo like that's just like thrown out the window so like Mindhunter also one of those shows where like Mm -hmm. that apparently is like not based in psychological sciences it's not based in like actual like observation and research um I think there's like a so you want to know more about podcasts I forgot what podcast we'll is called but out. they did an episode yeah I'll, I'll send it um I mean that makes yeah. sense people are compelled to break social contracts because of social pressures it there's just like episodes of SVU are proof of that like sometimes they find a body and it's because someone's physical safety was violated and they didn't feel comfortable going to through the appropriate channels of reporting crimes for whatever reason like maybe they're a sex worker and they're afraid of getting punished for the work that they do so instead they just kill someone where where was i going with that i don't know well that's also true of like the current system like so many people who are in women's prisons are survivors of domestic and sexual violence like that's what i was gonna say like sometimes it's because something social happened that pushed you to commit to commit an act of violence instead of that there was always something inherently wrong with your brain chemistry that from birth wired you to be this way and therefore you should be shunned from society instead of helped and had in the name those of social safety. pressures investigated yeah exactly yeah. because that doesn't that doesn't prevent crime from happening in the future if we assume that bad people or people who commit acts of violence are inherently evil then all we can do is try to figure out who the evil people are and we won't know that until they reveal themselves instead of working to eradicate the pressures that cause violence to happen like poverty right 
I don't know how to end poverty, but I'm just saying that's <laughs> that's one way to do also, it. Also, it distances us from evil. Like, it makes us, like, we're the good people and those people are somewhere out there in the crowd that, like, have this evil gene within them. And, like, mm-hmm. I think that that's really dangerous to not know the harm that you personally can commit. Like, I think that if you're not thinking about that, then, like, you're probably committing a lot of harm. Yeah. Like, if you're, like, going through life thinking, especially, like, as a white woman, right, like, as I'm going through life thinking, like, oh, everything I do is in good intentions, then that means that it has good impact. Like, we know that that is not true. Like, we should know that. So, like, again, that whole narrative of, like, and this is why Bones, like, temperance, like, con- like is a little bit of an issue for me is just because she is like one of those people that just believes like there are good people, there are bad people and their actions reflect their intents, which like, I hope that we're like moving towards this understanding that that is like obviously not the case. Like I think, yeah, like what Niara said too, that like there are social pressures that cause people to enact harm, to enact violence um, that are within all of us. Like we, ex- not to be like, we exist in a society, but we exist <laughs> in a society. We're like, <laughs> um, Sorry, just think of those shirts that say that. Um, um, but like, like we internalize all of it and we enact all of it and it's inside of us. It exists outside of us. Like there's just no separating us from that. And like when we think of like when we pathologize serial killing as like one, it doesn't happen as frequently as we think it it does. Like we, I'm obsessed with true crime or I was like obsessed with true crime broadcast. Like I had this idea that there were just like secret serial killers out there everywhere. Like yeah, that, waiting. that is a huge problem with listening to true crime podcasts is that like I've become, and, and I don't become this way watching bones or any other like network procedural, which I think is strange, but like, I just think about like all of them that are out there and there just aren't that many. <laughs> There are like that not, many. I think that's the point of crime procedurals. Like crime procedurals are supposed to make us feel comfortable right. because we believe that there is this organized group of people who exist between us and those scary serial killers who are their only purpose in life is to protect us and to serve justice. But they don't ever intercept crime yeah (laughs) why why don't people talk about this more like the police do not exist like superheroes who can sense crime and then stop it from happening before it does it's all it's all reactive like why is why are all of us so cool with it being reactive like i don't understand well Well, maybe that's why society invented superheroes maybe that's true that is to go back to like talking about how the cops have to be the through line characters like to kind of counter that there's totally a world in which there's an Olivia Benson character but she's not a cop and she's doing different work and I feel like that could be equally like the reason that it is cathartic to watch that is because there aren't other shows that are offering any kind of similar catharsis really especially certainly not on like broadcast network tv so I feel like there's no there we don't need to like eliminate the procedural and we don't need to eliminate um shows that help us like get through trauma but like we do need to fix the way that they are and I also have seen a lot of people say like oh yeah there's a lot of shows about cops there's also a lot of shows about criminals like Breaking Bad which is not how I would characterize Breaking Bad first of all I mean he is a criminal I saw a tweet the other day it said the tv villain the real villain the tv villain walter royd the no. real villain the american healthcare system oh, okay? oh, I thought, yeah, he yeah. would not have murdered people or made blue meth yes if he could have just gotten his cancer treatment covered right and that's 
that's not I, what yeah. Breaking Bad is about, by the way. But that's what it should be about because that's like that's the yeah. process of figuring out why people are compelled to do what they're compelled to do. I, Breaking Bad is literally about how teachers are paid so poorly that <laughs> this man was forced to make meth to support his family while he actively <laughs> died from cancer that he couldn't afford to treat. Yeah. And that's an American tragedy. That, and that and is, like, yes, he was a genius and he was like the best meth maker ever. And I love that show and I've seen it like twice fully. But that's not the point. <laughs> and that, that is a show about like what compels you to, you know, do things. Yeah. But it's also not There's really... There's so much that you watch and justify. But it, it's also like, I wouldn't say that that's about like policed people like i would say like i think the only truly the only show i could come up with other than like the wire that was actually about policed communities and not policing communities was orange is the new black which Mm -hmm. you know like to be fair does have like a rich white protagonist in the first place um even though she's in prison um but like that's for something cute though you know like She's in prison because yeah. she didn't realize that her girlfriend was smuggling drugs internationally. Like, oh, well, she was so naive. Jenji Cohen, who created that show, has, I think, been very open about the fact that, like, she did that to, like, Trojan Horse, a show about, you know, mm-hmm. police people and underrepresented people because th- she thought Netflix would never buy it or anyone would ever buy it if it... They never would And they have, wouldn't no. have. She was correct about that. God bless her for doing that. But, um... <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's hard. I think one of the things I was thinking was really pernicious about having cop shows in the first place is that if you live in a community that isn't super policed because you live in a white community and or an affluent community, then the only experience you have with policing is with these like procedurals. And then you think, oh, well, they, they obviously work perfectly and we don't need to fix them because I don't experience... Yeah. My only experience with them is these shows and like I mean a lot of people watch these shows so it's not like I mean it's interesting I as a black woman who used to live in Harlem and now I live in like the most frou-frou wealthy (laughs) area (laughs) in North Carolina it's like (laughs) the other day just yesterday my coworkers and I were talking about how we thought that we heard like someone speaking over like a bullhorn or something. And we were really confused because I genuinely, even as a black person, I will admit this, this is so embarrassing. Forget that there are police here. Like I forget that I live in a community where people are employed to stop crime because there are so many white people here and so many wealthy white people here that they're virtually non-existent. Like the only time I see cop cars is when they're like parked in school parking lots, empty as storage for cop cars that are (laughs) not in use. So I very much understand because I'm guilty of this, how people can watch cop shows or shows about crime fighting and feel so removed from the world that's being portrayed, which is why I think it's so interesting that you bring up Orange is the New Black because we all know New York. We all know about New York City and people who are from the country think that New York City is this like crime haven that's full of violence and is so scary. And people from New York are like, 
yeah, okay, there's cops everywhere, there's crime everywhere, but I just kind of ignore it and do my day-to-day. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine exists kind of in the middle of that where it's not set in Manhattan where most New York shows are, and it's a diverse cast playing diverse characters who are cops and are so cute and funny that you forget that they are policing one of the most dangerous cities in America that's being in a borough that's being actively gentrified by wealthy white people and is therefore negatively affecting the black and brown communities that were already there. Because you're like, oh my gosh, they're doing another prank war. I love it. Right. And they're Whereas like the people in Orange in the News Orange is the New Black are the people who are actively being harmed by the policing that, like, if these were in the same universe, the policing that Brooklyn Nine-Nine is doing. Yeah. And I also, like, it's, in, like, in that sense, it's, I, I'm trying to think of, like, what I want shows about anything like this to look like in the future. Like, if I'm gonna really rag on it this much, like, just to be a little bit constructive. And one of the things I was thinking about is, like, there are a lot of, like, um, shows about justice that exist outside law enforcement like pi shows or like you know agatha christie raymond chandler that kind of thing and those those things always hate the cops (laughs) which i think is funny because i never thought about like i i watch a lot of veronica mars where the cops are like absolutely horrible the idiots of the show and like to to veronica mars's credit like the the realist the like realisticness of the way that they treat the way she reports her sexual assault and the way that other people report their sexual assault like she literally gets laughed at and there there are just so many times where they they just don't take anything seriously that that police department always felt sort of comically horrible to me and now it feels like really really bleak to watch veronica mars and think about that but um even in those shows where the cops are like total bozos like the end goal for those detectives or whatever like murder she wrote is obviously a show i've seen countless episodes of um the the cops are always like really bad at detectiving but the end result is for them to give the the person who actually did the detectiving to give the um person who committed harm or whatever to the cops to still be incarcerated like the end goal we we've all decided on those shows that the end goal is still the same which is to incarcerate people who have done these things and not to prevent be preventative at all um and so like it would be good to see a show that doesn't treat that as the default like uh end goal and then it would also be good to like watch people like feel the system was broken from the inside which is something that Brooklyn Nine-Nine doesn't do and no show does without just writing it off as a bad apple situation um and I did just notice that there's a new SVU spinoff with uh Detective Stabler coming up on NBC this fall did you not see this near what (laughs) yeah (laughs) everybody everybody is rolling their eyes yeah, it's... As played by Christopher Maloney? That's correct. He's yeah. returning to TV. Um, and I I can read you what... Um, <laughs> He's oh in God. other TV shows, so we can watch other things. Yeah. 
without i hope you but wait also, oh my god see this is how ingrained it is i forgot that i hate cops right now and i don't want to watch a cop show well because i was so excited so this is what I think this is so what hot. nbc maybe it's just a show about him like punching pedophiles like that's just it like he's not a cop he just goes this is around what, in, like this by is himself what nbc <laughs> says it's about okay law and order colon organized crime the drama features Christopher no. Maloney reprising his beloved Law & Order SVU character, Elliot Stabler, who returns to the NYPD to battle organized crime, blah, blah, blah. However, the city and police department have changed dramatically in the decade he's been away, and he must adapt to the criminal justice system in the midst of its own moment of reckoning. So what I don't like about oh, this no. That's not is be A, good. that That's- it <laughs> assumes the NYPD has only turned bad in the past decade. And also, as if really what, hilarious. As if what Stabler was doing was not textbook police brutality right. in SVU. Like, <laughs> Literally like, in every episode. Like, every single episode, he was just brutalizing people. Like, that is not but, what... But, like, if NBC wanted to commit to this, and I very much doubt that they will, like, it would be kind of interesting to see Elliot Stabler be, like, really, like... I mean, he would have to do so much because of what his behavior was on tv he would have to have so many hr meetings i mean i just every day that he goes out on the street he would have to immediately be suspended with pay for two weeks yeah and well the thing that's interesting too about the whole organized crime thing is that i feel like organized crime is so mysticized and romanticized like people love to think about the mafia and gangs. Right, that's like what The Sopranos is. The crazy underworlds that that could contain. And I feel like that's a really safe route, heavy quotation marks, because it's not a type of crime that people feel really personally about. Like people mostly have relationships to organized crime in that they were scammed or you know, they love The Sopranos. And that's really dangerous when it comes to starting a whole new show in 2020 about a police department because that gives them a lot of agency to really run wild and people won't be able to, you know, moderate and say, this isn't true to life or this is really dangerous because you're perpetuating such and such stereotype about what's good in policing because people don't know. And maybe that's ignorant on my part, and maybe I don't know enough people who have been tangled up in the mafia, but I really feel like that's dangerous because obviously SVU is so personal and this is so far from it. I also think, like, and this was in the Brooklyn Nine-Nine vulture piece that you sent, like, that, like, mob and mafia work is so, like, deracialized and that it's, like, usually only white families that are doing it, like, ethnically, like, wherever, like, Ukraine, Russia, Italy, whatever, like... So it's very safe in 2020 to go with organized crime because then you they're like, we don't have to talk about police brutality because we're doing it to white people. And it's like, because no one okay. cares about a dirty commie. <laughs> like, yeah, like, exactly. And so, like, and so it's one of those things where it's like, OK, you're just like taking something that one is like very rare. Like, I don't know the statistics on how many cops are investigating organized crime, but like it doesn't seem like it's like that much. Like, I doubt that there's this much money in it. And I also doubt that they, these same cops like as they were on their way to organized crime, didn't police and terrorize communities of color, like, as B-cops, as, like, street cops in, like, other roles that they may have had. Um, Also, 
when they're talking about like drug smuggling too and like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is huge about this like they're always catching drug dealers and like organized crime like dealers like it's very rarely a murder um like they're not talking about who really like often gets in trouble for possession for drug dealing like which is usually really young black kids like that is usually who gets in trouble for this and so like they somehow always catch someone who is like integral to the smuggling and creation process instead yeah, of like, just like a Ronald random Reagan. kid that like, they stop and frisk exactly yeah. exactly like i want you to take on the politicians <laughs> like yeah. if we're gonna do this where we're going super high up into like the person who's like smuggling it like it just ignores one how i think organized crime really works and two like how policing actually works so you know like, organize those kids from chote rosemary hall who smuggled in cocaine from south america to their high school in like 1980 something on their private jet interview those kids and ask a why they came up with that and like why that wasn't more of a thing i just yeah well that's what's so interesting about brooklyn 99 that you even bring up the fact that it's usually drug charges is that nothing i remember of brooklyn 99 has anything to do with what they're investigating like they're always on a hilarious stakeout or like doing some hijinks that is what is so dangerous about it, because when I first heard the term copaganda, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, literally, it is a show about a police precinct, and it did not come to my mind. I was like... In my head, well, they're not like cops the at all. It's basically like yeah. The Office, but like if paper production was like the biggest problem in America right now. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yes. also, like they do a lot of really dangerous things as police officers, like where those like 48-hour missions that they have, where they're like, oh, you have 48 hours to gather evidence. Like, that is... A civil rights violation if I've ever yeah. seen one. Like, that is, like, so antithetical to what, like, innocence before... Whatever, like, innocent, not guilty. Like, Jake has a hunch, and then they all have to go get this evidence. And it's like, what? How did I and not see like, that as propaganda? Mean? Like, they did such a good job of me just erasing everything that I had. Like, any critical lens about policing that I had goes out but the window when I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Scully and the other one are so dumb. <laughs> They're Praxis. They are the Praxis cops that we need. They, do, they actively yeah, deter they actively, police investigations. They actively keep poli- police investigations from They're going comrades in this fight against policing so, in like, prison. Are. The people who, it's the so people who funny. make Brooklyn Nine-Nine have definitely Hitchcock. said, like, I think, I guess Greg Daniels at this point, like, have said, like, oh, we're really, like, thinking about it for, ne- like, you know, we're going to do something with Brooklyn Nine-Nine next season. And if it's... What are they yeah, going to do? I They're all going to get fired? <laughs> or all of them should yeah. quit. All of them should quit. They should be like, we're a part of a system that is inherently terrible and racist. And we're, we're going to make a, like, an <laughs> office comedy about another industry because this is not the one we can joke about right now. Like, it's just not... It's productive. <laughs> it's also just so sad because Andre Brower, obviously... Oh, my God. ...is amazing. But also... Are we supposed to love cops because there's a black gay cop? Yeah. Like, I honestly, think so. are we well, supposed well, to like... think that cops are not scary? Because cops can be black and gay, too. Yeah. And okay, so it doesn't like, matter that he, like, runs this system. And even even when Terry Crews is profiled, it's, like, one very special episode. And they never really go back from that and think, how are we perpetuating this system that almost killed one of our co Well, that's the bad like, apple. That's the bad apple, like, argument is like, oh, this isn't a problem with the institution we work for. This is a problem with that person who did that. And that's how we view all of our other crimes. Gosh. And that's how we're going to view this one. And, you know, it just is. It simply makes no yeah. sense. 
It simply makes no sense. And it's just funny because they're like these lovable NYPD cops, which, no. Yeah. That's just not a thing for anyone who is policed by them. I almost wonder if we should have... To think that they're just like so cute and sweet. I almost wonder if we should have like a moratorium on like police stories. Like for 10 years and just like cleanse ourselves. Because like, I don't... I feel like we've seen them all. that quote, there's a quote, I think it's an Oliver Stone quote or maybe something like that, but who said that... Um, it's impossible to make an anti-war war movie. Like no matter even as you can make it as anti-war as you want, but it's still gonna make war look kind of cool. And I kind of feel like with yeah. policing, it's the same way. Like, like I saw one time I saw on the streets of New York, uh, NYPD detective. This was like in January, and I like I've seen like in New York, you sometimes like see famous people, or whatever. I've seen famous people on the street before. I have never like gasped and felt starstruck the way I felt when I saw like a real life NYPD detective on the street. And like, that's a problem. <laughs> like the, the fact that I was like, oh my God, like it's an NYPD detective, yeah. like wanted to go up and say hi to her. Like, like, do you know Mariska Hargitay? Yeah. Like, what do you think about yeah, all that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know Mariska Hargitay? No, it- I think yeah we have definitely progressed past the need for I mean even if we just wanted to use SVU to like fill the airtime for what TV should like there are plenty of episodes and like it breaks my heart to say because like I really did love SVU um there are probably over a thousand episodes of all of the different law and orders Dick Wolf oh, yeah. we simply do not need like, keep, like we do not need yeah. anymore well, he needs to stop with this society has progressed past the need for Dick Wolf yeah, yeah Chicago PD true I just think, like, even, I, I don't know, it was in the, the cop is the main protagonist at the article that you sent, that, like, even as we're, like, hearing all of this, like, uh, on, like, news about, like, police brutality, like, police killing all these people, like, the procedurals are still yeah. airing at the same time, and there's something, like, nefarious about that, that, like, that seems like, that's not an accident, right? Like, as you're hearing all of these bad things, we're going to show episodes of really good cops, like, solving right. crime and, like, putting the bad guys away and, like, stopping it, like that's just again like we're back to propaganda like that is literally like the clearest form of propaganda i could te- see is like oh as these news stories are coming out let's put like they on should be canceled episodes of cops like the fact that things. they're not yeah, being they should canceled just stop out, of, airing. out of like scandal is like like i and it, it is kind of a weird spot for them because most tv networks are not producing new shows for the fall schedule because they can't make mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. none of their they didn't make any pilots or they didn't they couldn't greenlight any pilot. nothing no one can shoot anything um although I guess they can shoot this Christopher Maloney thing I don't know um this Elliot Stabler thing <laughs> but like yeah like I mean I guess like NBC still has that huge block of Chicago stuff which is Chicago PD Chicago Fire whatever and then you know it's two SVU hour-long shows like yeah I haven't the only cop shows I've actually seen and I could be wrong, I, this could be incomplete, that I've seen are actually canceled our live PD and whatever the other live one was, um, cops, um, which is like actual, you know, live cop footage, which, why, why, why was terrifying. that there? I watched one of the, like, why the was that a thing either? Oh my huge. gosh, what an invasion of private, like, like oh. to actually watch people get arrested. Yeah, it's such an invasion, yeah. and also the cops have the ability to say they don't want it being shown live so it's not even like it's I feel like you could maybe pitch it if I wanted to play devil's advocate as like some sort of accountability thing but like no like they were burying brutality and like 
ugh, just horrible. I'm glad they got canceled, oh. but the other stuff isn't getting canceled, and that's like super weird and yeah. a problem. Yeah, that's Mary, the other I'm thing co- is people are so happy to complain about like why do we keep getting sequels and remakes? You know what? Why do we keep getting cop shows? Do you know how many times cop shows have used the exact same plot? There's always the same plot. There's always you know the episode of The Office where um, Michael auditions for um, Sweeney Todd by reenacting an episode of Law and Order. And he's like, he does the whole thing where he's like pretending to be the maid and then he opens a door and he's like, oh my God, a dead body. That happens in every single show. Which if there's 200 hate. plus I... episodes just of SVU, I mean, it's fun. And, you know, in that Emily Nussbaum um, Trauma Queen article, she talks about how it's really relaxing yeah. <laughs> to watch because there are so many tropes and you know what's going to happen. If you recognize the actor, 10 out of 10, mm-hmm. they did it, you know, and so there's not there's not the fear and suspense of wondering what's going to happen. But then again, you know, that is nice. And that's why there are other TV And that shows. all that can exist because you don't want to know All what's that happening. All can exist on a TV show about something else. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah. And that's the thing also that's so compelling about Breaking Bad is that, you know, the hero protagonist of the show is this person who's been corrupted by his personal circumstances and, like, being pushed to his absolute limit because of what he thinks he needs to do to protect his family that's so much more interesting than like watching all the different ways they can come up with people finding a dead body. Yeah. You know, and it's still, it still has that gripping like investigator versus the investigated aspect, but it humanizes people who commit harm or like break social contracts in a way that's so much more realistic and, empathetic and that's what i loved about orange is the new black was not you know like the politics of like the social politics of them being imprisoned together but learning everyone's backstories and like why they came to be in that prison because that's what's interesting because of course all of us we're all fallible we can all make mistakes we can all find ourselves in positions where we're pushed to our limit and commit harm or are impoverished and steal food and then find ourselves in jail. I was reading a thread the other day about um, public defenders who found themselves being radicalized by their jobs. This one public defender had tweeted about the f- their first day at work. They saw a woman. S- they saw a woman sentenced to sixty days in county jail for stealing a Snickers bar. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, like yeah, that's. The type of stuff we need to be seeing. Not just what happens after harm is done, but why people are committing harm. And seeing ourselves in them and recognizing that we're all products of the same society. Because we live in a society. And therefore need to have a little bit more empathy and understanding in order to recognize what needs to be improved. Yeah. Which is why it's ridiculous that people say like, oh no, like we don't need police reform. Like we don't need abolition. We don't have a racism problem or police brutality problem because if you believe that that's if you believe any of you're that's only true, watching svu you're not looking at the yeah. right yeah exactly if you exactly. believe that's it's true like you watch criminal back. minds 
Yeah. It and has set it. back so much reform and abolitionist work the, all of these shows have because, like, then you are able to buy into the idea that it's just, like, bad people doing this versus, like, a bad right. system. Like, yeah. And I think it's, like, also, like, yeah, like, is it better to, like, break into the system and, like, enact change from the inside or not? But, like, they're not even doing that within the systems, like, in SVU. Like, they're not, like, SVU Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, there was that one episode of Terry being profiled, but, like, that was, you know, like, they didn't do anything to, like, question or, like, interrogate really what about their job like there was no like actual like reform happening even within the show that like it was that just could like have been sad a place and where... scary for him as a black man yeah which, and so it's like yeah but it was like a, it was like an yeah him as a black man as a police officer in it New was York. like an out basically for them to say look we address that it's kind of the way yeah. that yeah. having yeah. andre brower as a black gay man on the show kind of gives you an out to be like yeah but look who our show is about like we're not you know it, it's the same as people saying like oh, but there are black cops or whatever. It's sort of like, you're not like, that. that's not like the problem. You've just like referenced something to get yourself out of it. And also yeah. it completely erases how power and systems work, which is that like, you can very much internalize a system that oppresses right. you. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> black cops can also like, and I think we see this too with like Asian cop, Asian American cops who kill black people. Like those things, like just your identity doesn't, dissolve you of any of the like power that you have or like the things that you have internalized like so yeah it's always interesting because I definitely said that when I was watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine I was like oh my gosh like such a diverse cast and like what an amazing thing like I'm so woke (laughs) like I'm so good for watching this show and it's like no you're not (laughs) like you're just like literally it's the same I think when we talk about Hamilton too like they've talked about like it's like a whitewashing of history using actors of color like which is so interesting especially in Brooklyn Nine-Nine which is like it is a whitewashing and like a softening of the crimes that police commit and like the violence that police commit using it's not whitewashing if black people do it exactly and it's like loophole oh, like what an interesting like <laughs> <laughs> no they they literally were like haha we got yeah. you guys like you can't yeah. say you will sack yeah. your thing like pieces about that because you're about to write yourself into a well, corner that's what's <laughs> That's what's so scary about Brooklyn Nine-Nine also to me because and the fact that there's like a workplace comedy sitcom about cops and not to sound Blue Lives Matter, but it's a very serious and dangerous job. And while it shouldn't be a job and it shouldn't be a career, certainly, I mean, I think if we're going to have police they shouldn't be allowed to be police for their entire lives i you know everyone gets burnout accountants get burnout so why are we assuming that cops don't um but like why are we trivializing this you know it's kind of it's very macabre to think about the fact that it's trivialized and watered down and made to be cute in like a disney-fied sort of way entertainment basically because that's what Bones is. Yeah. I mean, Bones is so close to being, like, if it Bones weren't an hour long, also. like, it just would be a workplace comedy. Like, it's just, like, one step away from being, like, a full workplace comedy. And granted, yeah. their workplace is not a, a, a precinct or something, but, like... It might as well be. I mean, be. yeah. It yeah. might as well be, except for that the, the Booth is the only one who actually has the authority to be, to enforce the law. Um, 
Yeah. But I, I also, like, I did want to bring up that, like, Bones um, presupposes that, like, murder is treated, like, with the budget and seriousness of the Jeffersonian, which, like, it almost never is. And, like, that is something that I realized that I internalized, especially listening to true crime podcasts where, like, so many things just don't happen because there's not a budget to do this or that test or whatever. And um, I had really internalized, like, that you can do all sorts of stuff because you can in Bones. Like, you can, like, blow things up. You can, theoretically. Yeah, you can theoretically dedicate so much time to an investigation that you talk to multiple experts world-renowned experts in their field you can design experiments to test the like realistic nature of certain events happening that's just not it's yeah. just not realistic and it's funny because my mom watches cold case she's been re-watching it the past few weeks and re-watching it the fact that she's been re-watching cold case wow yes. <laughs> but the thing is the thing is that we as Americans, have such an issue with investigating, with, like, dedicating time to investigations that there is such a thing called a cold case where they just stopped investigating, usually because of budgetary issues and not because... A good reason. Clues well, ran or, out. <laughs> well, or yeah. because they did and something And then they dedicated wrong. a whole show about or it. Or because they did something yeah. wrong. I mean, a lot of what I also learned from... So many cases just get thrown out there was, because... There was something in the police department that they didn't want to basically... I mean, like, I'm Golden I'm sure State we all... Color. Yeah, oh and also, I'm sure, like, most people might be familiar with the Adnan Syed case from Serial, and, like, I think what's come mm-hmm. out about that since Serial came out um, has been a lot of information about how the, the police department kind of... and the prosecution kind of systematically... Um, set up the evidence in a way that would make it not look like they had ignored something or like not look like they had not fully basically done their jobs and then like kind of the the prosecution and the police department and the judges like they all kind of support this um effort to cover up missteps and stuff like that um my stepmom actually works at the DA's office in Philadelphia and she sent me this video from the DA here, um, Larry Krasner, and he was uh, talking about police reform and stuff. And one thing he kept talking about was like the vacuum of accountability that happens between all these institutions. And I feel like that that's like a uh, something that is never addressed on TV and um, would actually be kind of an interesting TV show if somebody wanted to do that. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because in SVU, the Internal Affairs Bureau, which is, like, tasked with investigating police officer and police officer misconduct, is so villainized yeah. to the point that, like, when Olivia Benson tries to date the head of IAB, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my in God, every like, what show, are you doing? When, I think it happens in um, Bones, too. Like, in every any Any effort show, of accountability. They're the villains. These, when internal Like, they are the Avea, villains. Like, literally. When they're the only cops we need. The cops who police the other cops. Yes. Yeah. Like to make sure that they're doing what they're cops. supposed to be doing. Who look at evidence and, and records. And we're taught and to mistrust yeah, well, them. And also Booth is constantly doing like th- things that are outside of the protocol because he thinks they're like correct. And like we think they're correct. And like it gets us somewhere we ostensibly want to go. But like, yeah, there's all like all sorts of in- like internal affair reports that are like, yeah, definitely the villain. I, even on a show like ER, which I've recently watched a lot of like 
any effort to internally hold someone accountable is like treated as like this like almost like when you snitch on someone in school or something you're like oh you told the teacher like that's not part of the code dude <laughs> like <laughs> no it is and it's just so yeah like I remember being so mad when I was watching SVU when they would like try to call IAB on Stabler even though he literally terrorized right. like communities and people like every single episode like every episode without without fail he was doing something that should have gotten him fired. And I remember, and like, Bones when IAB would come do up. it, too. Yeah, like, when Bones shot some, you know, like, that was, they were like, aw, she should have a yeah. gun, you know, like. <laughs> There's an episode where, who is the serial killer in season one? I always forget his name. Uh, Epps. Epps. Yeah. Howard Epps. Yes. There's an episode where she goes to visit him in prison because they f- find something else that's related to his case. And she breaks his hand. Yeah. Yeah. To get information out of him. And <laughs> sure, I am not in any way defending serial killing. Serial killing. I want to be clear about that. But it also doesn't mean that strangers get to break your bones. But it's 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 bizarre that we champion these people who are very selective about when violence is and isn't appropriate. Yeah. And I yeah. think that puts us in a really dangerous position because someone has to be the arbiter of what's good and what's bad and who is good and who is bad. And even though you may have killed someone or hurt someone without being personally provoked or like not in self- that wasn't in self-defense. He was in chains. Yeah. In yeah. prison. Yeah. That was her acting on behalf of his victims, which at first, you know, it feels like, yeah, he needs to feel pain because he's inflicted pain, but he's already in a cage for life. And she is our hero of the show. And that's just And that's the that's kind of like the dehumanization that I think allows people to like really champion uh the death penalty. Yeah. yeah. It's also, you know, Bones is allowed to be violent that way because she, you know, has this tragic past and um, because she's an expert. And I think that also sets a really dangerous precedent because we shouldn't dismiss violence on the part of those who are well-educated mm-hmm. or have the resources or, you know a high status in the hierarchy when even when it's not out of self-defense because that sets us up to privilege those who have the intellectual and academic and monetary privilege to defend themselves and to escape i don't know like wield their social status to i mean to be clear we should trust experts in the things that they're experts in but not yeah we just shouldn't excuse their violence yeah Yeah. and also i think nara you said that she was like acting on the victims right like it's the same thing with svu and it literally just like like strips all of the survivors of their agency Mm -hmm. like even when they are dead like there's no we don't get to hear from them and so then they get to insert this idea of justice that they think is what's best for this person but like we've never 
heard from them or if we do hear from them they're like i don't want to press charges like they're villainized too and they're like they don't know what's good for them they're just like all these like like, no but you should you should want to press charges because here's what you can do if you press charges yeah he's gonna do it again oh we're a survivorship like i'm thinking specifically again of svu like oh like we're advocating for survivors and it's like you're not letting them speak you're not letting them say what they need what they want what justice would look like for them um and yeah it's interesting when we think about it with murder victims too because like they never really consult the families either in like bones or like there's nothing and there is an instance you know in bones where a family member in that gravedigger episode when she's killed the father you know has hired a hitman essentially to kill the gravedigger for revenge against his sons and you know Booth is so upset that he would even do this because why would you want to go against the justice system? Blah blah blah. Which Booth, the sniper, mind you, the yeah. sniper, like, yeah, who literally Which did that on behalf of the US government. <laughs> like, yeah, it de-emphasizes, you know, his healing and his trauma. Which, I mean, I don't think I would ever hire a hitman if one of my family members were murdered by a crazy serial killer. But. There's not space for his feelings or even any sort of empathy for, like, they're like, you should be fine with the justice that we give you yeah. instead of you suffered a horrible wrong and we were never able to catch this woman until now, but just deal with it. Also, like, how they treat that whole, like, the actual guy, like, the sniper who killed the gravedigger, they're like, he's just going around left and right deciding who gets to die and who gets to live, as if they're not always doing that, like, as if they are not always, like, imparting their morality on other people, on, like, the people they incriminate, the people that they incarcerate, and also the the people who Booth literally killed, like, abroad, you know, like, on behalf of the U.S. government, so, like, there's, like, this it's weird because, like, they get at it, right? They're like, Bones has a complicated history, so she has complicated feelings and actions. Like, they're <laughs> almost there where they're like, okay, they're like, you are acknowledging the complexity of, like, human life, of, like, how we mess up and can still be good and still do good and, you know? But then they just, like, completely throw it out the window when it's not, like, one of their main characters. And I think, like, how they treat... And I'm not, like, defending that military guy because he also killed people abroad, but, like, the guy who's, like, now like underground sniping people who he thinks should die like i'm not defending him but also like what gives booth the morality to like be like oh you're the bad one here and i'm the good guy because i do it through the u.s government versus like you do it on your own and it's like let's like parse out those differences because i'm not seeing them like one you're just getting paid by the federal government and the other he's just getting paid by individual families so like i wish like sweets would sit (laughs) booth down and like have the conversations i want sweets to have with him (laughs) like sweet yeah i to, need sweets to like literally just like yeah. do a venn diagram like and it's just a circle needs like, to like stop analyzing their romantic relationship and like start digging through booth's issues sweets wasted sorry i love sweets i'm so passionate about sweets but sweets waste so much time on like a pet project like just these guys theorizing have, yeah, exactly issues. for his own personal research also, and it's like okay we also, never what really is his research gonna that, like, contribute to like murdered, or academia murdered, like literally nothing 
literally nothing. But it's also, funny. He's like this herself is so interesting as a psychological case study. Yeah, like, exactly. She is like the way that she pathologizes everything is so much Without more interesting this. than the romantic yeah. relationship she got into with her <laughs> FBI partner. Like, what are the odds that that happens? Like, a world-renowned forensic anthropologist falls in love with her so FBI partner. We should write partner. a TV like, show, and that's the book and not that you're gonna an write. Academic something because that's the only way that that's more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If Sweets were writing a screenplay... I think that's what he secretly <laughs> wants, let's be honest. That actually would have been needed. amazing if it was another step in the meta-ness of it all. He, like, like then creates a show okay, about... Okay, Kathy Reitz wrote a book about Temperance Brennan, and in the show, Temperance Brennan writes a book about Kathy Reichs, and in the show, <laughs> in the show <laughs> they're writing another show Well, remember, there is, like, them. an episode where they make a TV show that's, like, Bones. Remember that? I think they adapt. Maybe it's a movie and not a TV show, but I think the movie they make a okay, movie yeah, out of her books I'm, about Kathy, Kathy Reichs, and yeah. they go to Hollywood, and surprisingly enough, solve another murder. <laughs> no well, way! Another that's murder. crazy. I really Bones just really gets me going because like it shows what could happen if we actually invested in like public arts and like humanities and like science like they do such cool things but it's like all wasted on the fbi and like i get so mad because i'm like you guys could have done so many other cool things like what angela does yeah oh my god like do you angela know, like, is the real hero well, she's because... a magician like there's no way to explain yeah, like, what i mean the technology that she has really doesn't exist no but, but... if she created the angela tron you have to believe that she would be working for nasa yeah, or something yeah. you know yeah, like oh my gosh imagine you know like that meme that's like society if like blank didn't uh-huh. exist and it's like all this that's literally what would happen if, if we, we put angela in charge that, of like, anything well the thing is, is that the <laughs> yeah. jeffersonian angela for dictator the, Je- <laughs> the jeffersonian does have like a ton of money though because like every time they go on vacation brendan's always staying in like a super nice hotel and booth always has to be in like some weird like yeah hotel. she's a multi-millionaire oh that's i forgot the other that she thing. has a personal fortune yeah yeah, but well, also, she has she makes millions from her books. Yeah, right. which it's funny that no one ever recognizes her. Um, yeah, for being like this crazy famous That's author. True. But they also, kind of forget she's an author every once in a while. I know, but she it's like how it is too, she so like. rich about it? How is she making millions? Millions in the um, like the signing bonus for her book before she's even written it. If she's not super famous. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And also... Also, why is she still pursuing crime? Well, like the, I think a bigger question what? is why in the world is she writing fiction books? This is one of the biggest things I don't understand about Bones is that Bones would be That's horrible so at writing That's stories really about people that she anyone cares so- about. Yeah, she I have... would be so bad at it. And she she's always like there's that whole episode where they're like, oh my God, no, but the sex part is the best. And she's like, no, people read my books for the um science. realism in the science process no they don't and it's but. like first of all no bones second of all why yeah that's the other thing first of all why is she writing fiction books when she seems like someone who would never read fiction second of all why is she still working for the fbi if she can do whatever she wants like the jeffersonian clearly needs her because she likes to bring justice and loves to her that's yeah that's, that's again like, she doesn't like, she talks all the time about how like she didn't get into forensic anthropology for that she likes the you know old super old mummies maybe it's just because and... she likes booth oh god it might so, be. so maybe she's tell me something. that <laughs> this entire show literally we have everything to owe just to her sexual chemistry with booth like yeah 
Yeah. All of the galaxy brain stuff that we just realized wouldn't <laughs> literally exist just because like, of her sexual chemistry. Like if Booth were ugly, we'd be screwed. If, yeah, wasn't David Boreanis? And like, yeah, we'd be done. Yeah. The show would flop. <laughs> um. Okay, we are creeping up on an hour 30 here so i think we should okay. like is there anything that you guys wanted to bring up or like wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on no just i'm gonna i have a whole bunch of articles here that i will put in that you know that thing that sometimes where you read the title yeah. of an article and you feel smarter yeah, yeah i already like feel like i understand queen. more so I about fully- <laughs> trauma porn and how we replicate it because- <laughs> yeah just from that amazing well, headline. I- so I well this this one is this is a that I have up on my screen but I have only skimmed. Um, it's the complications of liking Brooklyn Nine Nine as a black man. Um, he is Canadian. Disclaimer. I don't know. The listeners might be Canadian. Who knows? But um, all all of our all listeners. Of <laughs> I'm gonna send you a bunch of them. We should put them all in the description. Yeah, we'll put. Please read these. We'll put together. We define so what propaganda is. Important. I want to put. Um, Maybe because we didn't do that, and I'm like, <laughs> my teacher brain is like, what if Because <laughs> I didn't really have the words for it. Okay, yes. Okay. okay. Yes, Miss. Okay, I don't please, know if this definition is very good. Ashley. Well, she, Ashley said she didn't have the words, so I don't want to give her the responsibility. Ashley's a math teacher, you guys. Yeah. So you're a math teacher? Oh my God, you're so so much smarter than me. Okay. What's propaganda? No, I'm not. I'm really not. Okay, propaganda, right? Is we're gonna we're gonna do a group definition here. Okay. The like tv and movie industry right that perpetuates like this what we've talked about a lot in this episode right of like this norm that cops are inherently good and like the only reason that we have issues within police is because of individual bad apples rather than like the entire history and the how policing came to be and how it's like regularly enacted and enforced so it's like this like really intentional campaign um by big i'm sorry i'm gonna laugh at myself like big hollywood um that like really forces us to like think of cops as like these amicable characters or like people who are really pursuing justice in like the truest sense of the words and like are really acting on their best interest and our best interest um television and movies made to make us feel protected by the systems at play without questioning their existence or their functioning yeah and also i feel like that the like x factor of that that's we've talked a lot about in this episode is the like we are three people who even before like ashley said she's been thinking about this for like three or four years and like still like we were compelled to not think (laughs) that critically about these tv shows that they had like that much power over us that we were like convinced despite ourselves um being very aware and investigative about it um otherwise so it's like there's something like really powerful about this particular kind of propaganda I think yeah well that's the other thing is that everyone has problematic faves and if Mm -hmm. if no one was able to look past something troubling about any sort of media that they consume then no one they would, would be sitting enjoyment in, a, in anything they would be sitting in a rubber yeah. room with no yeah yeah think- like there's there's only so much you can do and it's it's better to consume things like bones with a semi-critical eye and say okay this is really unrealistic or like this random case in nevada wouldn't have you know the investigative power of the fbi and this jeffersonian while still enjoying it 
because it's made for that. Yeah, I think there is, though, a point when if, like, your problematic faves are a whole genre of, like, <laughs> yeah. TV, then, like, what, you know, like, I think Bones if all you watch are, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, it was that article that was, like, the, uh, the cop star is the main character that's, like, it's, we're gonna look back at Brooklyn Nine-Nine in, like, ten years and, like, see all of these, like, riots and protests against police brutality and then also this show that's, like, comical that like we all love the cops on the like we're like yeah jake peralta's so cool um it's gonna feel so like just ignorant like what what were you guys watching like yeah like i hope the kids in the future are like what was wrong with you guys that you were like regularly consuming because like yeah again i didn't even like consider brooklyn 99 copaganda until i saw like a twitter thread on it and i was like oh my god like what's wrong with us that hats with executive producer Dick Wolf are like common items to be found on Etsy. Um I had like, a sweatshirt that had executive producer Dick Wolf on it. Like I was team SVU so hard. Like Well that well, and the thing that's the thing is that it's not inherently wrong. Like like we were talking about, you know, it can be something cathartic for people to watch and that's what's so compelling about this argument about copy propaganda is that you know, you cannot be impartial in an in a thorough investigation of your own culture and so there are some things that you are sacrificing simply by engaging in it and you can't exist without you can't exist outside of your society so like yeah we have to extend some grace to yourself Mm -hmm, for that mm -hmm. because we live in a society we live in a society that's (laughs) that's gonna be the title of this episode Nobody's gonna listen. You have to do we the squiggles. squiggles. You have to do yeah. the squiggles, though. Like the yeah. society. Um, I definitely also want to put some of the. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably go back and hear what you said, but someone will come up with a good Miriam Kaba article or something we could put on there. Maybe everyone just follow her on oh. Twitter. Um, at prison yeah. culture. Okay. Well, yeah, she's on private because she gets harassed a lot, oh, but. No. Uh, yeah. You got in but there before. I know. The woman who wants to tear the Shocking the person. Is... Yeah, the person who's, like, anti-racist. <laughs> the person who is anti-society has enemies. Wow. Her enemy uh, is just, yeah. society. <laughs> <laughs> she would say no, though. No, she loves yeah. humans. <laughs> um, she humanizes us we'll so much. We'll also put um, that Catherine Van Aaron doc... Uh, vulture article which is cops are always the main characters and we'll put a bunch yeah. of other things that we've read that are good um from people who Don't are like forget trauma queen and trauma queen from our queen how could we Emily ever Nussbaum. forget trauma queen i'm gonna get it in the, i'm gonna in get the, that as a shirt new yorker she doesn't know i exist but <laughs> like the new yorker uh font yeah yeah, yeah. font is just trauma oh queen <laughs> that would be great um but thank you so much to ashley for for coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge because I feel like that really helped. And uh, do you know, do you want people to find you on Twitter? Oh yeah, sure. Wait, should I do my professional Twitter? I'll do my you have two ask. Twitters? Do not share your personal um, Twitter. I got tipsy during my work call the other day and I put my spicy Twitter in the chat, which is just, oh, no. <laughs> um, but it's okay because it's other incoming teachers. Um, yeah. My professional Twitter is Ashley L Fry. That's okay. It. I'll just send it to you. Yeah, we'll put it or in Or burger and fries on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, Niar, do you want to remind people where they can find you on Twitter? 
As always, you can find me on every social media platform at Niara Rain, N-I-A-R-A-R-A-I-N. Sometimes I leave reviews on the internet um, for things I online shop also under that name. So okay, that's just a little shout out. you ever see that's someone a, on a, Amazon? I didn't know that. That's a <laughs> well, good actually, Easter egg. I reviewed for something on Amazon recently, which All right, we'll guys, do another go episode. find out what it we was. We won't, but you should look up why you shouldn't shop with You'll Amazon. You'll get a Toronto Queen sweatshirt if you find the Ars Amazon comment. <laughs> but also, um, someone out there come up with a better alternative to Amazon because we all love to complain about Amazon. It's a small task. But, but also some people um, need it to afford personally things. Personally take on Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing. That is, is the problem is that some people do, yeah. Trillionaires are bad and we shouldn't create them. Every billionaire is a policy failure. But also I have yet to see someone offer me a comparable alternative yeah. um Niara, you don't that have one. to every time brag about your brand solidarity because you have the same handle everywhere we know yes she Look. does you do have to brag you about it to. that's so I impressive really that is so impressive that I you're able really to do. um now that i'm not in college i really have to fight for more followers so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. please um okay so and then you can find you can find me on Twitter at Ella Duran 98, E-L-L-A-D-O-R-A-N 98, and then on Instagram at Ella Duran. And I would love to also have brand solidarity, but the woman who is sitting, hanging out on Ella Duran 98 on Twitter refuses to leave. So that's what I, that's the hand I've been dealt. Um, and then you can find us as a podcast at BonesCastPod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check, hey, what's our, uh, what's our website these days, Niara? Um, so our website is currently <laughs> having some maintenance. The link is so long. <laughs> okay. 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 The link is really long, but or you can just go to our, our Twitter website, and like click on the website. You can thing. go to our Twitter. Yeah. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Stitcher. But you can also coming soon, BoneCastPod.com. Okay. We'll house all of our episodes and all of our social media, and it'll be so easy. Send us emails. I'm really bored. And I would buy that sweatshirt. I would. Me too. Honestly. I'm about like, to make about it. To get, like, yeah. How how much does it cost to make three total sweatshirts? Probably not that much if I go to Michaels. Yeah, check check us out there and uh, engage with Niara because she. I, I will also engage with you if you want but Niara apparently needs it more um I'm Ella <laughs> Niara this is where you say your name all right I'm gonna say my I'm gonna say my name again okay I'm ready? so sorry ready? I'm so sorry as soon as I said my name I was like Niara forgot okay ready <laughs>